0: I
1: understand, I could have had class. I could have been a contender. Hulk oh, me. Smash. smash. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Here's Johnny. Oh, wait, What do you want hey, motherfucker. You never go ask them out. Now, what is so damn funny?
0: And where we
1: go. We will not go
0: quietly into the night. We will not vanish without
2: a fight. Force will be with you.
1: always. The truth! You can't handle the truth! Showtime, everybody! Showtime!
0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the For Real Movie Club. And this month, for the month of April, we will be talking about Marvel Phase 2. Let's kick things off by introducing you to the panel this evening. First, to my left, which I'm sitting in a room alone, Tony Mango! Woo! Great
1: to be on the left.
0: Yeah, and to the right... On the shitter, Sam Lazio. I am always right, and I am always on the shitter. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just dive right into it, guys. We're all excited for Age of Ultron, and here are the four movies that are going to be leading up to that film. First and foremost, Iron Man gets his third installment with Iron Man 3, because they're clever with names that way, in 2013, which features the juggernaut superhero Iron Man and Tony Stark persona, which is perfectly displayed by Robert Downey Jr. So if you guys are listening to our podcast way back when, any of the months, we've actually, I think this has been a year, would be this one. Um, Really? Wow. Yeah, I think we've done 12. So it's pretty like, woo! Oh,
1: this is episode uh, episode 13, this is.
0: Oh, shit, we passed a year! Woo! (laughs) So (laughs) when it comes to the movies, we always talk about cast. We're just going to beat a dead horse if we talk about Iron Man 3's cast. So, But let's yeah. jump into it. Tony, what were your first impressions of Iron Man 3?
1: Coming off of Avengers, that was a real high, and Iron Man 3 was a low. Um, Iron Man 2 is not as good as Iron Man 1, and Iron Man 3, in some ways it's better than Iron Man 2, and in some ways it isn't. So, it was definitely disappointing. I remember being super excited for that movie because I was thinking to myself, oh, man, we're going to get the fucking Mandarin. He looks badass. We've got this armor that looks kind of cool, even though it's got way too much gold in it. And there's a good chance that this could be fucking great when it comes to, like, picking up where it left off. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is just going crazy right now. And then it was just like, well... They fucked this up with the Mandarin. They, man, there's just like no Iron Man in this movie. And why is this happening? What god damn it, like it was a huge disappointment. It's not a horrible movie by any means. It's something that I can watch, but it's a movie that was nowhere near as good as it should have been.
0: Sam, what was your first impressions of Iron Man Three? Um, wow, this isn't what the trailers said. Just
2: basically my first impression. Hey, wait a minute. This um, isn't
1: Iron Man 3. This is like some romantic comedy. Oh, shit, I'm in the wrong theater.
2: It's like, uh... So, he creates a new armor that's based on an electrical power source instead of the arc reactor. Has no weapons on it. And uses that for the entire movie. Because he has an entire Iron Legion... And decides, I'm not going to call any of those other suits. Uh, Mandarin was fantastic until we found out who he was. Um, And, like, people say, like, okay, I get it. It makes sense about, like, Killian saying, like, once you, like, put yourself out there, you're a target. So you got to pull back from behind the scenes, use a false face. Like, I get that. But not with the Mandarin. Like, you can't use Iron – like, you can't have a guy in a Batman movie pulling all the strings, and then it turns out the Joker's not the Joker, and some other guy actually is, who looks nothing like the Joker. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when you think Iron Man, you think the Mandarin, and we didn't get the Mandarin. So that was just a big kick in the balls.
0: So one thing that's different about this film, and I think it's worth bringing up, Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 were both uh, directed by Jon Favreau. Uh, this one was not. Uh, this one had Shane Black at the helm when it comes to this uh, film. That obviously does a difference. Uh, it, Marvel has a terrible track record with their directors getting frustrated leaving because like, their creative freedom is limited because there's a larger scope that sometimes these directors may not, A, care about, or B, C. Um BC. When it comes to Shane Black, do you feel that him directing this is why it couldn't get off the ground and doing the screenplay, or do you think whoever they put in that seat, this would have been a flop no matter what? Well, not a flop, but just not as impressive as it could have been. Sam?
2: I'm going to say it comes down
0: to the uh, script.
2: I'm not going to say it was the director. The director's got this uh, flavor for doing things during Christmas time. I actually thought that wasn't a bad thing because then when you actually do the timeline it only sets this movie up six months after the Avengers so instead of dealing like a year later or something it's, it's a tangible amount of time so he has this near death experience he's still doing the post-traumatic stress disorder he uh, it, like it, it made sense to me like the whole Christmas thing what I didn't like mm, I couldn't really pin on the director at least that I'm aware of. So unless Tony's got something
1: different. Tony, what were your thoughts on Shane Black taking over? It's a little weird. Um, Shane Black, I'll admit, um, they're probably on other podcasts too. Maybe not. I don't remember when I started doing the podcast in relation to the different viewpoints that I had. But there was a time period for years and years and years that I kept using Lethal Weapon as my go-to this is a dumb action flick that has no heart and no soul. And it's like what idiots would like because I hadn't actually seen it. And a couple years ago, I went through this big movie marathon kind of thing where I watched essentially a movie a day. I think I ended up getting up to like 300 movies that year and a couple TV shows. So that's like the difference, but why wasn't like 300 you know, 50 or something. But, uh, I watched the first Lethal Weapon movie, and I liked it a lot, and I liked it enough that I ended up watching Lethal Weapon 2, 3, and 4, almost like those four movies in a row and over a two-day span, because, you know, you start at night, you lead towards another one and stuff, but I grew to appreciate uh, Shane Black, and... I haven't watched a lot of his other movies, so when they announced that he was going to be directing this, I was disappointed because I wanted Favreau to come back, but I wasn't like afraid because I was like, well, you know what? He's actually pulled off the Lethal Weapon ones. Like These are going to be a good sign that we can get a good film out of him. I don't think that he has too much to blame for the downsides of this film. The Christmas thing I could have gone away with. It didn't really matter that much to me, but he specifically said that he wanted to kind of make this like a little bit like a bond film. And I love bond films, but that is one of the issues with this. I think, uh, where he, and maybe this is a mandate from Marvel. I got to feel that the Mandarin thing was like a 50, 50 split. Like he had a good idea that he thought of doing the twist and Marvel maybe told him beforehand, you know, we can't do the Mandarin as the Mandarin because we want to get around that and not be like racist. But he could have added some good flavor to this and he could have been a little bit on the opposite side. I don't really know. I'd be really curious to see what was in the script before he came on board. Um, But as far as the shots that seem like they're Shane Black shots and stuff, I like them. They just seem a little bit out of place.
0: When it comes to uh, this phases that we've done, we did phase one last time, we're doing phase two this time. I want to bring this up because a lot of us walked out with a bad taste in our mouth after Iron Man 3 had ended, and they immediately corrected that when Thor The Dark World released on Blu-ray. So we're going to talk about the one-shot. Did the one-shot all hail the king? Um, I'll start with you, Tony. Did it ease the blow of Iron Man 3 or do you think that That's just Marvel's way of saying, hey, I'm
1: sorry. (laughs) We fucked up. Oh, that definitely is. (laughs) They never would have done that one shot if the reaction would have been positive. Guaranteed. Because everybody that had anything to do with the comics, uh, you know, fans of old Iron Man things and stuff, everybody was just like, fuck you, really? Like, that is a gross fuck you to the Mandarin character. And, you know, he's not the coolest character in the world. He's not the Joker or anything, but... He is the principal Iron Man villain, and when you go and you don't do the Ten Rings, you know you set it up in the first film, and you reference it in the second one, and you know you're expecting to see the Mandarin with with ten actual rings, or at least something more than like if they would have gone with the Trevor Slattery character is the puppet. And they go the same exact route, but he's not a ridiculous puppet. I think that that would have gone over much better. But they went with a cheap laugh, and that's what seemed insulting. So Mm -hmm. when they did the one-shot, that was their means of being like, all right, guys, we pushed the comedy too far. And around this time period, I was critical of Marvel, and they, they seemed like they reined it back in with Winter Soldier, but... With Iron Man 3 and with Thor The Dark World, it seemed like they were trying really too hard to make things too funny. And with the one shot, All Hail the King, that was just their means of apologizing to the crowd and being like, well, alright, we went for that extra laugh and we didn't need it and we shit all over the comic thing, so we can't do Mandarin but we're going to just let you guys do that on your own. You can make your own fantasies of it and stuff like that. So that helped it, but they shouldn't have had to do that to begin with. Sam, what were your thoughts on the uh, the Marvel one-shot?
2: Um, Basically the same as Tony. They said that they were planning this one-shot before the movie even came out. Like, they, like this wasn't like them being like, oh wow, they didn't like this. Here, we'll retcon it. But I kind of... Just because they said it wasn't that, doesn't make it true. I, I think they realized it
0: was that. Fair enough. Uh, to give some of the uh, facts before we roll on to the next part of our Iron Man 3 discussion, uh, it was released May 3rd, 2013 here in the United States, May 1st in China, and for whatever reason, April 14th everywhere else, because, you know, fuck America. We only came up with the character. Uh, the budget was $200 million. Uh, the box office hit one point two billion. dollars, The runtime's 130 minutes, and like I said, the country uh, where they directed it is United States, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, not much to say on Iron Man 3. Like you guys had said, it, it's the film that was immediately after Avengers, so the bar is at the, the roof. You gotta try to jump something that's unjumpable. Um, but Tony Stark was a character that really kicked this thing off, and when it comes to Tony Stark, he is the quick-witted alcohol, lady stealing, you know, he's Ric Flair in the Marvel Universe for you wrestling fans out there. Tony, uh, how did you feel about his uh,
1: post-traumatic disorder from the New York fallout? A lot of people are critical of that. I like it. I think it kind of puts him down on a different level. Like He's always the guy that has the answers, and he's above everybody else and stuff, and to see him vulnerable is something different. And, you know, if uh, you're the type of guy that you think that you have, you know, you're the God amongst men type of person and whatever. And then you realize, holy shit, I'm a big fish in a small pond. Then you panic and it's overdone a little bit in the movie. Like there's a couple of uh, scenes where the kids just kind of like, so what do you think that you're going to do next? And he's like, ah, New York. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit shoddy, but I do like the idea that when, At least in that one scene where he's talking to roadie, and the little kid comes up to him, the the littler little kid, and is just like, oh, you know, what happened with New York and all this? And was that fucking scary? You know how, like, you almost died and shit? (laughs) And then he's like, I gotta get out of here, like, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, Uh, he's just like, how did you get out of the wormhole? And he's just oh, fuck, like, no, don't, get away from
1: me. Yeah, that I liked. They overdo it a little bit, but I like the story of that. And I like that they seem to be carrying this uh, forward. You know, that that could be a good motivator for everything from Age of Ultron to Infinity War and apparently humans because that comes afterward, which doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. <laughs> Sam, what was your thoughts on the whole uh, PSD or PTD or whatever
0: it's called? It? I loved it. ADHD. It makes, <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it makes complete sense. Of all of them, other than his brain and his intelligence, Tony Stark really is nothing. Like Five, four, three, he, we two, joke one. about like Black Widow and Hawkeye, but if you take Iron Man out of the suit, he's done. Like you can't take Banner out of the Hulk cuz Banner will transform into it. You can't take away Hawkeye's skills and Black Widow's skills. You can't take away Cap's strength and you can't take away Thor. Even when he had his powers gone, he was still a badass. Iron Man without his suit is nothing and i think he realized that and it really like the whole ptsd thing if you were going to give it to one of them it was going to be stark and i'm glad they did that
0: so let's go through it tony we'll start with you high point low point uh and final thoughts and a ranking 1 to 10 on iron man 3
1: it's tough um <sighs> I'll do the favorite and least favorite part first because that's a lot easier. Uh, least favorite thing? Of course, the Mandarin twist. Fuck that. Uh, favorite part, though, how awesome was it when all the armors show up? Oh, yeah. Like, As much as this movie has its flaws, that was something that was fucking cool. Um, and we all thought we were stupid enough to be like, was that Hulkbuster? And it's Igor. <laughs> that it's yeah. like... As soon as we see the first shot of Hulkbuster in the uh, Age of Ultron um, concept True. art, we're like, "God damn it! Of course that wasn't it was a shitty little right. movie. we're like." <laughs> you know, Iron Man three is a movie that if the first Iron Man movie wasn't so damn good, this wouldn't look as bad as it is in comparison. So I like the movie, and it's something that you know, I could put on and stuff like that, but compared to how great some of the other movies have been, it doesn't hold up. So if I'm generous, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Sam, what were your
0: high points, low points, and a ranking 1 to 10 on Iron Man 3? Low point, like Tony said, has got to be the Mandarin twist, and the fact that, like,
2: I really... Did not like Pepper's thing at the end, where she kills Killian, and then she's like, "That was really violent." It's like I, I just like I groaned internally at that moment. Um, high point is probably like Tony said, it's got to be that final fight, like where he's jumping from armor to armor. We got to see like a lot of comic armor come to life. We saw Silver Centurion. Uh, you had, like, Igor popping up as, like, a proto-Hulkbuster, maybe. Like, all these different things that, like, you love in the comics that you get to see. Uh, and then and then the fact that everybody bitched that Iron Man 3 didn't set up Phase 2. Well, it kind of did. Because the Iron Legion became Ultron bots. So I'll give it the benefit of the doubt for that. Um, overall, just... When I first saw this movie, I turned I think I was next to Tony. I just I turned to him and I just went I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> like I was just the credits are rolling up and I just go I hated that. The second time I saw it, it was a little bit easier on me, and by the third, fourth, fifth time I saw it, I was like, "All right. Like the stuff I hated about it, I'm over it." So now just on its own, I gave Iron Man 1 Last 4 Real Movie Club, a 9.5 out of 10. I gave Iron Man 2 a 4.5 out of 10. So justifying the fact that I liked this more than Iron Man 2, I will give it a 5 out of 10.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. That is Iron Man 3, and it is in the bag. Stick around here on YouTube as we go into the next film, here on the 4 Wheel Movie Club, Thor The Dark World. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the second part of our April 4 Wheel Movie Club of Phase 2 Marvel movies. Ooh. We're talking about Thor The Dark World, and I'm joined with Tony Mango and Sam Lassio again. And we're about to call Heimdall and head to Asgard. First impression, Sam, what did you think of Thor The Dark World? Uh, first time I saw this movie, I said I liked
2: it more than the first Thor. The longer I saw it, the more I realized that there were a lot of problems with this movie. And even though they didn't make me dislike the movie, they still kind of kept me from loving it.
0: Tony, what were your first thoughts on Thor The Dark World?
1: Well, after Iron Man 3, I was thinking there's too much comedy, there's taking this in the wrong direction, and Phase 2 might not be as good. It might be one of those instances where the sequels just don't follow up from the originals. Disappointed in Iron Man 3. Thor The Dark World? Disappointed. And I was like, fuck, man, we are screwed. Avengers 2 is going to be terrible. Like, They're going to just keep this downward slope going. Thor The Dark World is essentially... The parts that I don't like about the first Thor are abundant in this, and the parts that I do like about the first Thor are almost non-existent. Or if they are in the movie, they're twisted in a way that makes it less entertaining. Like, I love the Asgardian aspect, and I don't like the Earth kind of stuff, And what do you do in this movie? You add another character from Earth who is a klutz kind of a thing. And uh, what do you do with Asgard? Well, you try to make it Star Wars. Now, I fucking love Star Wars, but there's something odd about, uh, you know, seeing basically like a speeder on screen and stuff. And for somebody like me that does love Star Wars and does not like things like Game of Thrones, it's weird for me to say it, but I like the opposite kind of twist of that with the first Thor. So dark world, you get a villain that's disappointing. You got like, this is just a a huge step down. And if it wasn't for basically one part of the movie, one character, I think the thing would be a huge bust. Now you,
0: you dipped into it a little bit and want to talk more about this movie. Uh, as something that didn't do too much in the first movie. In the first movie, we got a little glimpse of Asgard here and there, and only of one other realm. In this one, they're just showing all the realms as much as possible. To help the final fight sequence, they're fighting through the realms. Tony, did you enjoy the way they expanded on the Thor universe uh, more so in this film than they did in the previous film?
1: Yeah, that was cool. Um, I liked especially how Odin had that one scene where he's explaining part of the infinity stones. That was really cool. And that was something that they really needed to do because once you start building up the idea of the infinity stones, people are going to get confused and fuck, even people that follow the comics are going to get confused, but it was hmm. cool to see, you know, that they start this movie off where he's in, I think it's Vanaheim. Yeah. It was the Van Van place. Place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good old Hogan. They're I... like, Hogan, you're the least popular character out of all this bunch. Stay here. But, uh, we see what? We see Vanaheim, we see Alfheim, I think, or Svartalfheim? Svartalfheim. Yeah, there's just so that's many heims. Yeah,
2: that's the realm of the Dark Elves, Svartalfheim.
1: Yeah, so we, at this point, after Thor the Dark World, we've seen pretty much all of them except for Muspelheim, Hell, and uh, maybe like two or three others or something. We never saw the one where uh, Ulick is from, I think, which I can't remember that one off the top of my head, but... um yeah, it, that was cool to see that, and um, you know, a, a wider range of where they're going. But they just had to come back to Midgard for a lot of that shit, didn't they? <laughs> yeah,
2: and Sam, they'll be doing it. They'll be doing it in Thor the uh, Thor Ragnarok too with the Midgard serpent.
1: Well, That makes sense. At least in the uh, that one, you should go to Midgard. But in Thor the Dark World, we didn't need to go to London.
2: <laughs> yeah, true.
0: So, Sam, what did you think about the whole expanding the Thor mythos? mythos?
2: I liked it, except for the fact that, really, they didn't. I mean, they, they were on Vanaheim in the beginning, which was cool. I, I liked the whole killed the rock monster, and he was just kind of like, well, now he wants to fuck with me. Uh, but the final fight, really, he was on Earth and Svarthelheim. Like, mm-hmm. they only really jumped between those two. Of all nine of the realms. It's not like they were jumping between all nine of them. But at the end you did see with the convergence all nine of them lined up. That was kind of cool.
1: And then DC's what? like convergence. Hmm. We should do that.
0: <laughs> one, one saving grace to this film. And I think actually probably to this whole entire franchise. Is Loki uh loki was the man in the first one that we he was the villain for thor he was the villain in avengers and now he's like a villain slash helper slash i'm gonna still be a villain there was a lot of loki in this movie for someone who was supposed to be a prisoner for most of the time um sam we'll start with you do you think loki saved this movie and let's just say that they left loki in the prison and didn't bring him in this movie would this been a bomb
2: I think it wouldn't have been a bomb, but I think he definitely helped the movie, which is interesting because when I saw it in the trailers and in the previews on TV, I'm just like, God damn it. They're just going to find any reason to shoehorn this character into the movie like because he was popular in the Avengers. So now it's just going to be like, hey, guys, remember he was in the Avengers. Now he's in Thor the Dark World, too. But he actually was useful, more useful than a lot of the characters were. So I actually did appreciate it, and I still appreciated that even though he was helpful, and and the whole, like, did he like try to kill Thor, and then it turned out he didn't, that was all part of the plan. He still was doing his goal of getting the throne. Like, throughout all that, faking his death and everything. They were true to the character, he was useful, and I did like the banter between him and Thor in that uh, dark elf ship. That was kind of funny like, Tony, well, he just... your... Go
0: ahead. Oh, he cut me off. Like, like his grandfather's head. Tony,
1: what were your <laughs> thoughts on? <laughs> oh, great. I'm so glad that you were able to get that comment. <laughs> Tony, what were your thoughts on
0: uh, Loki in The Dark
1: World? Uh, the character I mentioned before that keeps this film from being terrible is Loki. He's the fucking man. And, um... If they didn't have that in the script beforehand and they did try to shoehorn him in there, thank God, because he saved it. Uh, He is, without a doubt, the most interesting character. He's the most charismatic one, the funniest one. Anything that's supposed to be from any of the other characters, except for, I guess, the heroism of Thor, you can see in Loki far better. Like, he's smarter than Selvig, He's funnier than Darcy, and I don't even know the fucking name of her intern. Tom or something? Good old Chet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's her. Uh, Jane is just a pain in the ass the entire time. So if you want to get an interesting female character, you get Sif. But as far as like a pairing on screen, anytime that you've got Jane and Thor together. I don't really care, but when you've got Loki and Thor together, they hit it off. Like, there's more chemistry between those two than between the one he's supposed to be in love with, and I gotta blame writing and Natalie Portman on that one. I love Natalie Portman, but she seemed like she had absolutely no reason to get into this movie. She wanted to quit and stuff, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, Tom Hiddleston loves this shit, and you can tell that he's having a ton of fun. Whether oh, yeah. it's that cameo with the Captain America thing, uh, building up to all that kind of stuff, or playing both sides, or uh, it just – he is, without a doubt, the gem of this film.
0: Just to give you a few facts on Thor The Dark World, uh, the runtime is 112 minutes. It was released in the United States on November eighth, two 2013, and everywhere else, October twenty second, 2013, because, again, Walt Disney hates us. Uh, the budget is 170 million, and it grossed 644.8 million. So not as successful as Iron Man, but you know there's a lot of people who walked out. Better taste in Iron Man three, and it's Thor. I don't know if you're gonna pull as many people with Thor as you could with like an Iron Man. That being said, this is now the second film in Phase two. Did it successfully start kicking and ramping up? For what our next Avengers movie would be, Tony, we'll start with you.
1: Nope. It uh, definitely fell short. Uh, Age of Ultron is, you know, it's not an Asgardian kind of threat like we did in the first one, so that's understandable. But there should have been something more with the Infinity Stones. There Mm should have been something with Thanos. There should have been... Um, maybe some kind of a reference to what the state of the Tesseract is. Like, they they really kind of glossed over a lot of that. And Really, the, I mean, they spent more time referencing the fact that the Avengers had happened than building up something toward the future all that much. The only thing that really you can say does set it up is the fact that the Ether is in it, and that is one of the Infinity Stones, so... Of course, it's not like they completely neglected it, but if you take out that one scene where Odin is explaining that the Infinity Stones are, you know, this predates the universe kind of a thing, then you really have nothing to go by. You have another random MacGuffin and another blah villain, and that's about it. Like, they they could have done a lot more.
0: Sam, how do you feel that Thor fit into the whole... Uh, realm of Phase 2. Did it kick off? Did it more so put over the Guardians? Was coming. What are your thoughts?
2: I would say the analogy of you know how, like in cartoons, when you strike the match and you like light up the gunpowder and like you see that trail until it blows up the barrel? Mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 was the first match that didn't work. Thor the Dark <laughs> World is like the one that, like ah, yeah, hey, I lit it. But you haven't actually like lit the gunpowder yet. Like it was better than Iron Man three. It finally started to kick off this sense of higher stakes than the first one. And even though I liked the movie, like I had problems with it. It could have been better, but I liked it. It the threat, even though it was elevated still didn't make sense to me in a new connected universe where we're now in a post-Avengers universe and Iron Man doesn't think to call anybody for help. Thor didn't think to call anybody for help. Like, and I know, like, they had that thing with Darcy, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s not answering. Call Iron Man. (laughs) Like, why do you need S.H.I.E.L.D. to help you? Call one of the Avengers. Call the Avengers. Like, it... At least with uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier, it, like that entire movie took place in like three days. So there's too much shit going on for them to like get any help. This one, though, I feel like if the entire universe is going to be plunged into darkness, maybe Tony Stark gives a shit about that.
1: Yeah, so, yeah Iron like, Man 3 is a personal threat. Thor the Dark World is the universe. <laughs> like,
2: right, and it was all on Thor and his friends to save it. So that that would just be my grief with it.
0: So Sam, we're going to stick with you. High point, low point, and ranking 1 to 10 on Thor The Dark World. Huh. Low point would be any time
2: I saw Jane on screen. <laughs> that would just be the low point. Uh, the high point? Hmm. Probably the final fight with Malakith. I did like that in the fight in London. Um, final thoughts just being I liked this one more than the first Thor. I liked it more than Iron Man 3. But there was too much of what could have been for me to love this movie. So if I'm going to rank the movie, I, I have I saved the list from the last four real movie club. So I gave Thor a 7 out of 10. So I'm going to give Thor The Dark World a 7.5 out of 10. Tony, (laughs) did you hear my dog in the background?
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, fuck you. I like that movie.
0: (laughs) Sony, high point, low point, final thoughts, and ranking 1 to 10 on Thor The Dark World.
1: High point, there's two high points to this film. One of them's a stupid one, and one of them's just amazing. Uh, the stupid one, this is like, it's pretty bad when you can say that this is a high point. When Thor puts Mjolnir on the fucking coat rack.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's like, that's funny. That's like a high point in the middle of this crappy film. <laughs> but the other high point, which is on a more serious kind of note and stuff, Loki's fake death. I liked how they did that. I liked how he, um, not only, like, that he faked his death, where that could be the reason why Thor is not looking for him and trying to track him back down and stuff like that, but I like how you got this, like, real sense of feeling that he's legitimately sorry when he is apologizing to Thor. That's the best acted scene in the entire thing where he's just, you know, I'm sorry and, like, I sacrificed myself for you because you still are my brother and stuff. And the only downside to that is part of me was thinking, damn, that would have been a good way to end Ragnarok. Like, Loki sacrifices himself and that's kind of like his redemption, sort of. I mean, you can't be redeemed at this point, but that was good. That was, you know, if they could have made the whole film on par or close to that kind of stuff, it would have been good. But instead, they had my low point of this whole thing. Naked Selvig. (laughs) Selvig is a character I've lauded uh, I've not lauded. uh, I've been just so against because in the first film, okay, he's kind of shoehorned in there a little bit. He's just a guy that explains a lot of the plot and he's just Well, I know Jane. Why do you know Jane? Like, what's the point in you being in here? Jane can talk. She can explain everything. So They wanted the character for some reason, and they liked the character enough to make him a forefront kind of person in Avengers. Didn't need to be there at all. But in this one, do you need to go for the cheap laugh of old guys naked? And they bring it up, like, Repeatedly. I get it. You think it's funny if an old dude's naked. I don't. Can you do, like, one joke of that and get it away? And Oh, man. I just... That was... That was embarrassing uh, for Marvel. You might not have, like, all the laughs work out each time, but at least try. The only thing that they didn't do with Naked Selvig that would have made it even worse, and they probably had this and deleted the scene, is if he just, like, farts a bunch of time farts are funny yeah. but it's a cheap laugh you know i got to give this a generous 5 out of 10 hmm. one oh, thing i
2: actually uh, didn't touch on though that actually i'm going to classify under my high points the grandfather the credit, line <laughs> the end credit scene Oh uh, the I love, collector i love the collector scene the whole one down five to go
1: that doesn't make any sense, though, at the same time, because they're like, well, we'll just give you an Infinity Stone. You don't well, seem because, creepy.
2: Well, they <laughs> trust him, because his collection is secure.
1: What the fuck would you trust this dude? Look at him. Well, who else are they going to trust,
2: though? Because, like like they said, they don't want to keep two Infinity Stones in the same place. So Somebody where doing... else? where else can you lock down an Infinity Stone? The collector's collection.
0: Good point. Well, there you have it. That's Thor: The Dark World, in what seems to be the downward slope of the roller coaster that is Marvel. So stay tuned here <laughs> on YouTube as we start climbing back up the roller coaster to another high point in Phase Two with Captain America: The Winter Soldier.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the third part of a four-part thing that we do here on the Four Real Movie Club. We are talking Phase Two for Marvel, and we are now upward on the roller coaster that is marvel with captain america the winter soldier tony your first thoughts on this film
1: this is the best marvel film out of all of them god damn i love this movie i'm already just gonna say it right here 9.5 out of 10
0: join us on our next video as we talk about (laughs) sam what are your initial thoughts on captain america the winter soldier well, you know, I was really disappointed by... Uh, nah, fuck it. I love See, I should have went to the next
2: video. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to be like Tony right away also. I, I wrote this down already, 9.5 out of 10. God damn it, I love this movie.
0: So, when it comes to Marvel films, we've had this very superhero-type film genre, because they're superheroes. When you watch Captain America the Winter Soldier... This is where the academy irritates the shit out of me. It doesn't feel like a superhero film. The only thing he does that's kind of superheroish is throw a damn shield and recover pretty quick. Tony, how are your thoughts on the way that this film differs from the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
1: Well, as far as where it differs from where we were in Phase 2, this was good. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> you know, Iron Man 3, ah, damn it. Thor Dark World, ah, damn it. Captain America Winter Soldier, holy fuck, this is good. Like, they took a film that I didn't like the first Captain America a ton. I thought that it was very disappointing in a lot of different ways. Like, the relationship between Peggy and Cap was kind of forced, and there really wasn't as much of a backstory when it came to the... Um, adversarial qualities of Captain America and Red Skull, like, they could have done more to build that up, and, you know, that was, like, the disappointing one out of uh, Phase 1, that and um, Iron Man 2. Oh, and Incredible Hulk a little bit. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they kind of share that kind of range, and Captain America the Winter Soldier was like, we're going to get those guys from Community, love that show, but when people announced that The guys from Community are going to do this. I was like, shit, you should have gone with the Adjustment Bureau guy. And they knocked this shit out of the park. They made it a film that stands alone. And like you said, it doesn't need to be on the superhero spectrum. It's on just a political thriller. This is a better spy film than fucking Spy Games with uh, Robert Redford. Which is amazing, because it's like, right. this is Captain America. For and a second, took... I
2: thought you were going to say Spy Kids.
1: Which is probably better than that, too. I never saw that, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Spy Kids is pretty awesome. The <laughs> girl grew up. She got hot. So that's more yeah, positive. But, uh, don't they have a machete in there? They, they do. So. <laughs> Winter Soldier, though, is so damn good when it comes to the political thriller thing. And it's a good superhero movie. It's just a good fucking movie. And it's really disappointing that they didn't at least give this a nomination for best adapted screenplay. Cause this really deserved it. Sam, yeah. w- what were your thoughts on how this
0: movie differed from pretty much all the other movies in the Marvel cinematic universe? Um, danger. I, danger felt, a se-
2: zone. Danger, I, felt, I felt a sense of danger. The likes of which I did not feel in any of the previous movies. I felt like at any moment, even though the logical half of me is like, "There's no way they're killing Captain America." There's that part of me that's like, "Oh fuck, it's gonna, it's gonna fucking kill him!" Like, the the sense of danger was real enough that in the moment of watching it, I'm like, "I don't know what's gonna happen next." Like somebody's gonna fucking just blow someone's head off, and I'm not gonna see it coming. Now, it, this, it, it did have some bad qualities that keep it from being, like, a 10. But if, if those poor qualities are only keeping you from being a 10, I think they're forgiven enough for how good this movie is.
0: What we haven't done here in Phase 2 is talk about the cast, because most of the other films brought the same cast from their previous movies over to the next one. But what Captain America the Winter Soldier did was it – established new characters that will be seen in future films here in the Marvel Universe. It re-established Bucky Barnes, but as the Winter Soldier. It established Sam Wilson as Falcon. It kind of gave more depth to uh, Kobe Smutters as Maria Hill. Uh, It introduced Sharon Carter. And we had the introduction of Robert Redford for a character that I I firmly believe should have been the Red Skull at the end of it, but, you know, Hugo Weaving's a dick. Tony... (laughs) What did you think about, about all the new additions that came on to Captain America the Winter Soldier?
1: Well, back in the mid 2000s and stuff, when, uh, what was it, 2008 when Iron Man came out? Yep, yes. I left that movie theater and I said, when are they going to bring Abed in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they, the downside to this is I think Sharon Carter, I don't think that she holds her weight as much and. Maybe that's a little bit in the script. Maybe it's a little bit more so in um, the actress, the choice that they got, Emily VanCamp. I think they could have gone with somebody stronger, and I think that they could have hit her uh, a little bit stronger too. That's actually pretty much the only thing that I make it have that 9.5 out of the 10, is because she doesn't play that big of a part. But Sam Wilson is great. Falcon is a dumb fucking character. I'm going to say that right now. Like, I don't care if he's got lineage for his uh, his race when it comes to like, well, he's one of the most prominent black superheroes out there and stuff. That's great. You know, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, that's not the reason why the Falcon character is dumb in the comics. I don't care what it is. It's because he's the fucking Falcon. He talks to a Falcon and he's got wings. I don't give a shit. I don't really care about Angel from X-Men either. And he's total opposite. Uh, kind of like he's a dick and he's... Poster boy Nazism, white guy, blonde hair, kind of a thing. Like, I just don't like characters that boil down to, wow, they can fly. And when you go to the crazier method of, like, a bright red suit and he's got an actual falcon bird and stuff, like, he always seemed like a weird sidekick to Cap. But in this movie, they ground him in the reality. They make him a character who's interesting, who's fun, funny. Uh, One of the best parts about this film is the fact that they can keep everybody and balance a lot of the elements in a way that I love when movies do where they, they reference things from before. And the introduction of this film is, you know, the relationship with Sam Wilson and Steve, and they perfectly keep that going. They've got two references from the very first scene in the very last scene with, uh, where he tells him, uh, on your left, that thing. Uh, is paid off so well with him waking up in the bed and on your left. Like, I got goosebumps in the theater at that point because I'm like, they did it. Yes, yeah. that's so great. And uh, with Trouble Man playing in the background, I never knew that this song existed and whatever, but Sam Wilson's character brings it up, and it seems like the type of thing that he would be fond of. And, you know, they really just they hit the nail on the head. They're taking a character that really is not the best in the world and making him somebody who is very entertaining. And thankfully they did that with everybody. I mean, Bucky takes a step up in this and uh, they're able to work in Black Widow in a way that makes her far more interesting than she was in any of the other films. She actually has a backstory in this and Maria gets some shit to do. Fury even gets some shit to do. That car scene?
2: Oh my God.
1: So they know what they're doing with these characters, and that's why when they announced that the uh, Russo brothers were going to direct the next two installments of Avengers, I have no question whatsoever they'll be able to handle them. And Civil War. Yeah, that's right. And Civil War. So you got, you know, dozens of characters in these movies, and these people can do it. Just don't pull a Joss Whedon.
0: Yeah, don't Uh, get all pissed
1: off and basically (laughs) quit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sam, what were your thoughts on the new additions to the cast and the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole?
2: Um, I actually liked uh Sharon Carter. I-, I thought like she was just uh she was just sprinkled. That's all it was. She wasn't too important to the plot. She was just a little bit extra on top that you knew who she was, even though they never said it. But the times that they hinted at who she was, you're like that's going to pay off, like, in the next Captain America movie, and I can't wait. Uh, I liked Rumlow and the strike team. I thought it was really cool that we're going to see, like, the beginnings of Crossbones. Um, I loved Pierce. Like, this whole, like... I've said it before, like, my favorite kind of villain is the one who thinks they're the good guy. And he really, truly believed that this twisted plot was going to bring about like peace on earth and that was like you can't fight ideology you can fight with your fist but you can't fight an idea yeah (laughs) batrock uh batrock was really cool i even like that a lot of people a lot of people got pissed off like how is he a match for captain america i was like at what point in that fight was he a match for captain america
1: And he's George St. Pierre.
2: Right. Like, okay, he kicked him a few times, and then he got his ass beat. (laughs) People were saying, like, he shouldn't have been able to do that. I'm like, when Captain America takes his mask off and talks back to you in French, shit's about to go down. Uh, As far as the other characters go, I did like the car chase. I, I remember sitting in the theater thinking it was really funny. That the announcer for Ancient Aliens was the AI in Fury's car? He was? I was just, yeah. (laughs) I was expecting it to be like uh, Director Fury, turn left at the upcoming road. Just like the Ancient Aliens that helped man.
1: (laughs) It seems um, like it's some kind of uh, hydro threat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But oh my god. I hated the fact that Fury actually lived. All oh, that pissed me off. But other than that, like I liked everything else. I liked Black Widow chemistry. I liked the chemistry with Falcon. Everything was really cool.
0: But man, did that Fury death, not really death, just
2: pissed me off.
0: I was going to move on to some facts, but i got to ask why. Because Nick Fury dies, quote unquote, dies all the time.
2: Because in the comics, yes. But this isn't the comics. Yeah. This is this is the beginning still. It's phase two. We're now into the second chunk of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. How many times has there been a character that has died but not died? Twice. A lot more than that. Oh, three, so, Bucky. Thor supposedly died in the first Thor film when the Destroyer hit him. Then he didn't die. Iron Man has supposedly died and not died. Captain America has supposedly died and not died. And yeah, they're the main characters. It makes sense that they're not actually dead. But even side characters, like other than Jensen and Frigga, I can't actually think of a character that actually died.
1: Good old like up,
2: up, up Up to this point, at least. Like Pepper didn't actually die and they made you think she died. Bucky didn't die and they made you think he died.
1: Loki had a cop out twice. Loki, yeah.
2: Loki's had cop outs. It just at what point is Selvig like,
1: keeps staying alive.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I won't spoil uh Age of Ultron because this isn't that podcast. But there there is obviously a death. Everybody knows there's gonna be a fucking death. Fine. But I'm just waiting for like another movie, that character to pop up. Cause I just I can't believe there's gonna be death anymore. And this kind of proved it. Like, now I can't believe if some if a, if a character that's not an Avenger is in a life-threatening situation, there's going to be a part
0: of me that's not buying it now. Man, you're going to be pissed when they kill Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> to give some facts about Captain America the Winter Soldier, uh, it was released April 4th here in the States a week earlier, because again, like I said in the past two movies, Walt Disney hates the people that made them. Uh, the budget was $170 million, and it did a lot better than Thor did when it got $714.8 back. So, same budget, did better than Thor. Goes to show you make
1: a good movie, you get good uh, results.
0: Absolutely. I guarantee you the like, Civil Wars would be... It could be a fucking flop, but it'll probably do great because the names are attached to it. Yeah. Um, with a runtime of 136 minutes. So, we've gone through the characters. We talked about uh, the difference between this Marvel movie compared to every other Marvel movie out there. Pretty much, I need to know right now, Tony, high point, low point, sum it up, final thoughts, and one to, well, you said 9.5,
1: so there's no need to rank it. <laughs> <laughs> I love pretty much every single thing about this movie from top to bottom. I love the addition of Peggy Carter in that one scene with the Alzheimer's, which was just amazing. I love the symbolism of Cap falling into the water at the end with the music that's playing that's you know the music is even fucking great in this it's just awesome the opening action sequence is Captain America being a fucking badass entire thing is great and I really can't think of a single thing bad about the movie that is in the movie Um, the only thing bad about it is the fact that it didn't get that Academy Award nomination
0: Sam, what were your high point, low point, and final thoughts on
1: Captain America, The Winter
0: Soldier?
2: Uh, high point. All of it. <laughs> I, like Tony said, like this movie is practically flawless. I loved 95% of what I saw. And that's why I gave it a 9.5. Like About 95% of the movie was amazing. Uh, low point for me, th- this is being nitpicky. The low point is going to be the expositional monologue of um uh the scientist the, the German scientist what was his name he, uh, Zola Zola that's it. that it was very expositional that the only purpose of it was to basically talk to the audience.
1: Well, he says he's stalling. Right. So that, that missile's coming, you know?
2: Right. So, like, I forgive it. But if I have to pick a local, yeah, it would have to be there. Um, But, yeah. And, and I was a little disappointed because I really thought, because we already knew that it was going to be Age of Ultron, was going to be the second Avengers movie at this point. I really thought Project Insight was Ultron when I first saw this. Hmm. I, I thought it was going to be, like, his beginnings. And I just got to throw it out there that I really loved uh, the Doctor Strange name drop. That
1: was Oh, yeah, that was cool.
2: Well, there and, you have – go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was also going to say because I've seen a lot of this happen online that they're saying like, oh, well, if he said Doctor Strange is – or Stephen Strange is a threat to Hydra, he already must be the Sorcerer Supreme. Like it, the, the, he doesn't need to have an origin story in the Doctor Strange movie. But they're saying that that line is proof that he's already the Sorcerer Supreme. I just want to bring up to people that he's, that Jasper Sitwell says after that, a threat to HYDRA, now or in the future. So he might not have been the Sorcerer Supreme at this point, but Project Insight knew that he'd be a threat
0: down the line.
1: Yeah, they read so. the comics. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, there you have it. That's Captain America, the Winter Soldier, here on the Four Real Movie Club. The next and final film for Phase 2 is the highest grossing, and the one that went out on a limb. See what I did there? It's kind of a to <laughs> Tony and Groot. So stick around, click the next YouTube video as we roll into the Guardians of the Galaxy. Welcome back to the fourth and final part of the For Real Movie Club for the month of April as we talk Marvel Phase 2. So this is the movie where Marvel said, fuck it, we can do whatever the hell we want. (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy was the long stretch, and to be honest with you, from this perspective of the moderator here, had no interest in seeing, but came out going, oh my god, this is phenomenal. Sam, what was your initial thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy? My initial thoughts were, wow, I fucking love Chris Pratt in this movie.
2: I I liked um, Parks and Recreation, so when I saw that he was going to be in it, I'm like, all right, so this is probably going to be a comedy. I see in the trailers, I'm like, all right, yeah, okay. This is going to be Marvel's first, like, comedy movie.
1: Do you think you're going to like Jurassic Parks and Recreation?
2: Uh, but it's... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I (laughs) was (laughs) just (laughs) going (laughs) to do that. Um... First thoughts on just seeing the movie as a whole it just it completely blew me away. Like you're just coming off of the Winter Soldier. They hit it out of the park again. They were like two for two. Well, okay, they were two for four cuz <laughs> I didn't like the first two in phase 2. But damn, like now they're
0: just like batting a thousand. Tony, what were your initial thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: If you go back and you listen to older podcast on Fanboys Anonymous, I had zero faith in this film whatsoever. I was running this down as, goddamn, this is gonna be the stupidest thing, this is gonna be where they jump the shark, we got a stupid tree thing, and we got a fucking raccoon, and the silliness of Iron Man 3 and Thor, it's gonna be we're gonna find out that Captain America is the only one that knows how to do anything, and this is gonna be this childish film with a lot of comedy, and it's gonna be garbaged. It's basically gonna ruin the franchise. And opening credit sequence, he's dancing around, kicking a bunch of rat things to come and get your love, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm gonna to have to eat my words, because I'm enjoying the hell out of this, and by the end of it, this is great. This was just so much better than it should have and could have been and I gotta give them so much credit for being able to pull that off I wouldn't have been able to do it that's for sure
0: now as opposed to the first three movies we talked about here uh, this month on Four Real Movie Club uh, this one is brand new first of its kind for Marvel and really just kicking off their own little franchise uh, so casting we get to talk about it this time chris pratt is of course playing star lord you have Zoe uh Sadana, who wanted to go with a different color this time uh <laughs> rather than blue or black she went green uh we have a wrestler dave bautista uh we have vin diesel in his finest acting role ever as a tree bradley cooper as a raccoon and then you have michael rooker you have uh benicio del toro glenn close john c Riley. holy crap casting Tony, what are your thoughts on the casting for Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: I could do without uh, Glenn Close. I could do without John C. Riley. There might be a better Ronan out there, but Lee Pace did his job. He was fine. Everybody else knocks it out of the park. Uh, Batista's not a great actor, but he, you know, he didn't have exactly the most, you know, ridiculous role to pull off. Uh,. Vin Diesel somehow was able to say I am Groot in a bunch of different ways. Kudos to him. But (laughs) Chris Pratt really sells this film. He's a very charismatic, very entertaining character, and uh, you root for him the entire time. Uh, Zoe Saldana for Gamora is not annoying. So many female characters in movies, they try to hit home the idea that, well, she's a woman and she's a badass, and you should be surprised because... Like it's like a reverse sexism kind of like we want to prove that we're not sexist. So we're going to feel like we need to really hit home that it's okay for a woman to be able to do that. And it's like, yeah, it's fine. Why do you need to harp on it? That's, that means that you have reservations about it. They don't need to do that in this movie. They just have her. She is what she is and she pulls it off. And Karen Gillan, Gillian I can't remember for sure if that's Gillen or Gillian, Um, Nebula's interesting you know I mean they had an odd assortment of characters and the casting's great Um, very very glad too that they went with Bradley Cooper for Rocket Raccoon instead of somebody with an Australian accent like in Avengers uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes (laughs) because holy shit that's annoying but he's the Star Lord (laughs) (laughs) that is so bad
0: what were your thoughts on the casting for Guardians of the Galaxy I generally love the
2: cast. Um, I liked Ronan. I didn't have any reservations about Leap pace. Uh, John C. Riley was John C. Riley. That was basically it. Like he wasn't. What was the name? Roman Day. I, I didn't yeah. really. No, he, he was John C. Riley in space. <laughs> the but that wasn't a bad thing. I like John C. Riley, and it fit. But I really hope they don't do that again in the future of Marvel. Have like a really just like, like have a well known actor do what they're known for doing in a movie. Cause then it's not going to feel like a character. It's just going to feel like the actor doing their bit. And in this, it felt like John C. Riley just doing a John C. Riley bit. Um, Glenn Close, it literally did not matter to me that it was Glenn Close. She didn't do bad. I liked the character. But you could have just inserted any other older woman in that role. And I probably would have liked it just the same. Um, but I really did not recognize Bradley Cooper's voice. So kudos to him for giving Rocket like his own distinct voice. Because sometimes in voice acting, you can just hear the actor. And you can't really get out of that. Which sometimes it doesn't matter, like Iron Giant. I know that's Vin Diesel, but it's still cool. And here, like, I could tell he was Groot, but when you only say three lines, I guess it doesn't really matter. Or technically, what, five lines, because then he says, we are Groot, which actually, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but that actually kind of annoyed me when he said, we are Groot, because when he did that, I'm sitting in the theater like, he can't say that. (laughs) (laughs) for the casting it it was fine I was uh, a okay with the cast oh sorry except um, Roland I would not have cast him as Thanos Thanos didn't sound right to me
0: he looked a little weird too
2: yeah they like they took him out from instead of a deeper purple color they made him like a very light purple color and kind of fatter
1: and they gave him weird teeth he was all grinny yeah somebody needs to take that footage of him smiling and just put like some like kind of thing in there (laughs) like
0: (laughs) now when it comes to this film it's really the first of its kind for marvel because it's it's in space it's dealing with a completely different subtopic that will eventually lead to what everything else has been building to but starting like all right we know that you guys are in phase two but really th- this is a phase three type movie because they're going to build to the infinity war rather than age of ultron they're not never going to know what the hell an ultron is except for the fact that vision was created from ultron right do you feel that this was a good kickstarter and a good like backlining to help kick off what will eventually be the infinity war where it's like ah fuck just any actor in Hollywood wants to be in it let's do it uh we'll start with you tony <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, they did more to set up what's coming for the Avengers and stuff like that for both sides of the st- I mean, the stories themselves and for how to just get around it from a writing perspective and casting and everything. Like, they really. This film did a lot to help the franchise. Um, we know more about the Infinity Stones in this than ever. I mean, shit, they had. The explanation of the Infinity Stones in this, the hell with Odin and his like, oh yeah, you know some of these are stones and some of them aren't. Because that one's kind of like water and whatever. But <laughs> uh, you know who else has an eye patch? Fury. There's, that guy's cool too. You should go see him again. Like <laughs> <laughs> this was something where they showed that there's a lot more flexibility in the Marvel universe, and you can bring these elements that are like. You know, there was a time period in comic book films where they didn't even think that the X-Men could wear uniforms. They needed to wear all leather because you wouldn't buy it that, you know, these people are wearing, like, uniforms with X's on them, right? That's cheesy and stupid and comic booky. Nobody likes that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And this movie was like, yeah, we got Howard the Duck, we got fucking, <laughs> you Combo. know... We're just gonna fly this spaceship into the head of a celestial. (laughs) It's like, it's amazing. This showed that Marvel is able to take the series in the direction of the comic books and that not only is it gonna succeed, but it's gonna be viewed in such a positive light that, like you mentioned about getting actors and stuff, Al Pacino is gonna be in a fucking movie now. Like... (laughs) that's crazy. Al Pacino looks at this movie and he goes, oh, they took the rocket, the rocket raccoon. They took the tree. I don't know this shit. And it's like, (laughs) kudos to you guys. You pulled that off. Amazing. It's
0: going to be guardian of the galaxy three versus Scarface. (laughs) Uh, Sam, what were your thoughts on this really kicking off phase three and tying a lot of the loose ends that uh, the other phases have done? Um, I like that this is setting up Infinity War. I
2: like like Tony said the better explanation the Infinity Stones and the sense that you actually get to see Thanos communicate and work with like other characters. I wouldn't have released it when they did. I would have switched Guardians and Winter Soldier. So I would have had Winter Soldier be the lead into Age of Ultron instead of Guardians. Because then it almost felt disconnected, but that didn't take away from anything. It's just how I would have done it. But I, hey, I'm not the head of Marvel, and for probably good fucking reason. <laughs> but um, I really hope all of these rumors aren't true. That uh, the director, oh, fuck, what's his name? Gunn. James Gunn. James Gunn. James Gunn. Yeah is saying that the Guardians aren't really connected too much and that we aren't going to see the Guardians and the Avengers crossover.
0: Well, tell James Gunn
2: he's fired. Sorry. Basically. Like, <laughs> hey, you saw what happened to Joss Whedon. It could happen to you,
1: too. <laughs> they got to be showing up. I mean, they are connected. They're setting up everything. They've got the Infinity Stone. Like,
2: Right, like Drax wants to kill Thanos, and Thanos yeah. is going to Earth.
1: Peter Quill is
2: from Earth. It's writing itself.
1: Mm. I think he means more so that he doesn't have to follow, like, specifics. Like, when you look at the Winter Soldier and you look at Age of Ultron and Iron Man 3 and stuff, like, they tie in together so much more than Guardians does. Well,
2: yeah, but, like, there's a difference between saying, hey, if Captain America starts doing heroin, that doesn't matter for our universe. (laughs) But then to say that the Guardians and the Avengers are not going to cross over... Nah, nah, like, get that man out of
0: the director's chair. <laughs> no, I don't like this. To give you some facts about The Guardians of the Galaxy, it was released here in the United States August 1st, 2014, which, not even a year ago, uh, with a runtime of 122 minutes. The budget was $195.9 million. It raked in $774.2 million in the box office. And it has, overall, the appeal just has grabbed the kids and ran with it. These these really no-named superheroes took off. So with that being said, uh, Tony, we'll start with you. Final thoughts, high point, low point, and ranking 1 to 10.
1: Very, very impressed with how they pulled this movie off. So much better than I expected it to be. And thankfully, too, because they needed it. After the beginning of Phase 2, those two movies just weren't doing it. Captain America the Winter Soldier breathed brand new life into everything, and Guardians took that momentum and they just kept it going. Least favorite scene, probably Josh Brolin's delivery for his lines as Thanos. That was disappointing. He could have been a lot better. Brolin's gonna be better, but uh, they just, they didn't really pull it off there. Maybe the broker too. He was a little over the top. But favorite part, they've got Celestials in this. That's awesome. Like, I never would have thought, you know, back in Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, you know, it was crazy enough in my mind that we were getting the Cosmic Cube in Captain America, but it's one thing to introduce the Cosmic Cube and to bring the Tesseract in and then to make that about Infinity Stones, but then to bring in, at the same time, confirmation that we've got Eternity, Entropy, Infinity, Death, the Celestials, the fucking how the duck like they just like they went crazy here and celestials out of all of them stood out to me as like you're showing the giant robotic celestials blowing up a fucking planet that floored me uh, I'm giving this an 8 out of 10 very very impressed Sam what were your high point low point
0: final thoughts and ranking 1 to 10 on guardians of the galaxy high point
2: it's really hard to say uh, I joked with a uh, Winter Soldier that it was the whole movie. This I wouldn't say whole movie, but like, man, like the beginning when he's stealing the orb was amazing. Uh, them on Xandar together, like fighting amongst themselves, was really fun. The battle at the end was really cool. Like there was a lot to it. I loved the uh, the celestial head and all that stuff that they did inside there. Low point the very beginning him as a boy on earth i wasn't feeling it and i thought it was really stupid that like when they rushed him out of the room and his mom was dying that like if you remember the scene like he's a little boy and he's just holding his hands out in front of him like but i wanted a hug and then he just kind of runs outside like i thought that was a little lame but I would say that I'd give this movie a 9 out of 10. It was really damn good. And the bad parts about it are nothing
0: but nitpicks. So I got to give it a 9 out of 10. Good movie. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's Guardians of the Galaxy. And just one note I'd like to make about this uh, film before we wrap up here on the 4-Hill Movie Club. Phenomenal fucking soundtrack. Oh, my God, yes.
1: Oh, dude. I don't even like old songs for the most part. It really needs to be something really catchy for me to get into it. Trouble mm-hmm. Man and Captain America. Like, bunch in this one. I don't like Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Mm-hmm. This movie made me like that song.
2: I don't even I, like
0: Cherry Bomb. I, yeah, I, 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 I still don't like that one. <laughs> I bought the vinyl record because of this. Nice. And that, <laughs> it is going to be worn out before the the second movie comes out. I am more excited about the vo- Awesome Mix volume 2 that we're going to get next round. Oh, yeah. Because it's going to be phenomenal.
1: It's going to so- be German techno. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Dump
1: step. laughs> <laughs>
0: Rock me Rock me on. Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the 4 Real Movie Club for April, which is Marvel Phase 2. Let's go around the panel and see what everybody's got going on. We'll start with you, the man, Mr. Mango.
1: Alrighty guys, uh, fanboysanonymous.com, always more podcasts coming your way and articles on the website and stuff like that. Uh we are gonna be having more Marvel talk uh ver- you know pretty much right now because the next upload for YouTube and iTunes and Stitcher is gonna be a review point of Age of Ultron. Uh, we are going to, of course, cover everything else Marvel-related. If you're interested in our thoughts on Ant-Man, check that out later on this year. But in the meantime, keep checking up the website, and we will always be doing more podcasts and more talk about everything coming your way like that. If you are fond of the wrestling side of things for a mango tree, then go to smarkoutmoment.com. Listen to the Smack Talk and Monday Night Raw Po Show podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.com slash smarkoutmoment. And if you want to hear us ramble about a bunch of nonsense and goof off on another podcast, The All Talk Show, you can find that live on MegapowersRadio.com whenever we decide to do it. It's a random one, and you will be aware of when we decide to do those random ones by subscribing on Facebook.com slash All Talk Show. But if you can't catch it live, then you can just listen to that on the archive version on, you guessed it, iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.com slash All Talk Show.
0: Now, let's kick it over to the myth, Sam Lassio. What do you got going on? Not nearly as much as that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, you guys can catch me writing more articles for FanboysAnonymous.com. Uh, you can catch me on Tumblr at Science101blog.tumblr.com and Common Sense Stops Here.tumblr.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Lassio. And you can also catch me on Science101
0: on Facebook. Well, there you have it. That's the Four Real Movie Club for the month of April. So if you guys are a fan of the Four Real Movie Club, make sure you check us out here on the Fanboys Not Us YouTube. Subscribe, like, all that crap you do with YouTube. And check us out next month as we do Dinosaur Films. Roar! Because we're going to prepare for Jurassic World. So, thank you, moviegoers, for listening. Check back next week. And don't stop believing.
2: At no point... In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? I'm too old for this. Good day, sir!
1: You stay classy, San Diego.
2: Rose? Well,
0: we're going, we don't need Rose. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a
1: damn. I'm
2: finished. That'll do, people. will la vista, baby.
0: Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get late!
2: You're still here? It's over. Go home.